body, but fear those who can kill your body and cast the soul into hellfire. He's saying, look, fear God. It's the beginning of wisdom. Listen, no matter what your boss thinks, no matter what your spouse thinks, no matter what your peer group thinks, no matter what your friends who are really frenemies think, no matter what the American government law thinks or whatever government thinks, ultimately that judgment is temporary and everybody stands before the judge of all the earth to give an account for their lives. Fear is a powerful emotion because it nearly always prompts action. Fear can push you towards safety or towards destruction. So what does it mean to fear the Lord? At first read, it may seem contradictory, but it's the central principle to really being able to access the wisdom of God. Today, Pastor Daniel will explain what it means to fear the Lord. If we're living for Him, we know how our actions can break His heart and how much He loves us. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message entitled, Wisdom for Life. Really what we see if we were going to take these verses and condense them down is that God's design is that we be wise and understanding. That we be wise and understanding. See, God does not desire us to be unwise and lack understanding, but God's heart is that we would be wise and that we would have understanding. And you get a book like the book of Proverbs, which is a wisdom literature. God's saying, look, I want you to be wise. I want you to be understanding. And even in the preamble of this, we find out that that's the purpose that we might know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. Now, if you look at the different words here, you have wisdom, instruction, that word perceive in the middle of verse two literally means to discern, to discern the words of understanding, to receive instruction, wisdom, justice, judgment, equity. Those are some serious words, aren't they? See, as I said, if knowledge is the right information and wisdom is the skill to implement and integrate that information, God wants you and I to both have the right information and to know how to skillfully live it out. Notice things like instruction. See, instruction implies humility, doesn't it? If you don't know something, you seek to be instructed in it. When was the last time you went to the Lord and said, God, I don't understand this. If you read historical Christian theology and spirituality, one of the things that you find is that the very first step in the growth cycle of a Christian, according to a man named Dionysus, who was a 6th century writer, and then a lot of uh, 
13, 14. Now they call him pseudo-Dionysus. They don't believe he was a real person, but that's intellectual stuff. Either way, it always begins with humility. They use the word purgation, which means the awareness that I don't know, that I'm flawed. One of the biggest issues that we have in our lives today is that we're so busy because we have so much information thinking that we're authorities rather than listening and beginning with a teachable place, right? And when you are instructed by somebody, you're saying, you know more than me. I love this with my kids. My little Maranatha, she's so fun. She's, a, she's just a kick. I remember when we were going to, when she wanted to be baptized, she'd given her life to Jesus. And if you know my little Maranatha, Maranatha's pretty serious about Jesus. She's, her and Jesus are tight, you know. But remember, we were going we to baptize her. And I remember she sat me down. She said, now, Dad, when, I go to, when you go to baptize me, this is what you're going to do. And she, like, read me the riot act. I mean, and it was, she was good, man. Like, she knew what was going on. She's like, now, Dad, when we go into the water, you're going to ask me some questions to see if I'm really a Christian. And now, Dad, I'm really a Christian. I love Jesus, he, you know. And then you're going to explain to me what baptism is all about, that, you know, just as Jesus died on the cross and he went into the tomb, that's what you're going to put me under the water. My old life, old Maranatha, because she's like six. Old Maranatha's going to be dead. You know, and then you're going to take me out of the water and I'm raised up, resurrected, new life Maranatha. And then you're going to give me a hug and tell me you love me and I'm going to go away. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm just like, you know, sweet, I am the pastor, you know. <laughs> but she knew what was going on. She was going to explain it to me. Right? There was no room for me to teach her anything about baptism. She had it lickety split. Right now, I realize that I, if I wanted to, I could have pressed it and been like, now, Maranatha, what you don't understand about baptism, and I could have theologically steamrolled her, right? And I could have been like, oh, well, have you read, did you read Romans chapter 6? You know, you're you on that, you, know, you understand that, you know, and, but I didn't. But it was such a great picture because so often we're the same way, right? We don't have the humility to be instructed. We just, we got it. I know what's going on. And that's our culture because we're so full of information. And we have decently good, verifiable information. But God's design is to help us learn and integrate all the information into our lives. So God wants us to hear and learn and discern. That word discern literally means to choose between two different ways. Notice, to receive instruction in wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. Words like justice and equity are pretty big in our culture these days, aren't they? Our Supreme Court just legalized same-sex marriage. Now, for us in Washington, that's kind of old hat. They, they did that here about two years ago. But do you guys think that that substantively changes anything for us as followers of Jesus? Like, where in the Bible does it say that when a country makes a law, you follow me different. Our job's always the same. We love God. We love people. That's a, we're on mission. Doesn't matter. Except for those of us who bought into the hope that the American government is something to be hoped in. As if the Roman Empire should have been hoped in or the whatever. For you and I, my friends, our job is always the same. They can make laws about anything. Our job is still the same. We love God. 
we honor God's word. We believe in a holy God. We like, we know God's word and we like it. We like that thing because it's got the best information about the most important things. But notice, we have to be instructed in these things. See, and that's the thing about the Bible. And that's the thing why I know for me, before I became a Christian, I didn't want to go anywhere near the Bible because I knew that the Bible said things that I wasn't going to like. Because really what I want and our culture wants is the culture wants a God that is just like them. See, we want to create God in our image. I believe that everyone should be able to eat chocolate for breakfast. And so, boom. Amen, right? (laughs) I believe that we should love everybody except the people who I don't love, and then we should hate them. Okay, great. See, we all want to create God in our image, but the Bible says, no, no, no. God is God, and we are not. And God is saying, look, this is the way the world works. Why? Because I created it, and I sustained it. And this is what true holiness is, whether you like it or not. And if you're willing and you come humbly, I will instruct you in it. I will explain it to you. When you find something you don't like in the Bible, and if you read it, you'll find lots of things that you don't like. You should go to God and say, God, I don't understand this. I don't like this. What do we do with this? And it's amazing the things that you learned. I remember as a young Christian reading that homosexuality was a sin in the eyes of God and being like, God, what is up with that? I mean, like, what am I supposed to do with that? And then God started to speak to me. God started to say, well, Daniel, listen, this is what the problems are. This is why I do not accept it as a God-glorifying decision. And then he said, and don't miss the fact that all these other things aren't glorifying to me either, like selfishness, like judgmentalism, like heterosexual sexual immorality of all sorts, lust. That's equally offensive to me. Don't forget that, Mr. Man. And it's like, whoa, whoa. See, God wants us to see the world as it truly is, not only through the lenses of our culture that is so profoundly pushing into our lives. Even if you don't agree with the decisions of our culture, we have all been reared in this and nurtured in this. We've all known that we should pray, give us this day our daily bread. But we all say, Lord, give us the bread for the next 80 years. And I'm not saying be bad stewards. I'm saying that we got to think about those things. If Jesus is God and he's wise and he's smart, we have to think about these things. So we want to be wise and we want to be understanding. Listen to what Proverbs chapter 4, verses 5 to 7 says. It says, get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. God wants us to be wise. God wants us to be understanding. Now, in verse 7, we really get like the, he puts it all up front for us. Because really, all of the book of Proverbs can really be summed up in just verse 7. Look what it says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom or of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So to put this real simply, you and I, we need to fear the Lord. 
You need to fear the Lord. Now, I want to unpack what it means for us. But before I do that, notice it says it's the beginning of knowledge. In other places, it says it's the beginning of wisdom. And it means the first and controlling principle. That's what it means. When it says something is the beginning, it doesn't mean it's like it's the first thing and then you get on the other things. It's the primary and controlling principles, the fear of the Lord. Now, this is why I believe not only 21st century American culture, but actually every generation of American culture and every single government and culture throughout the history of time is not wise because you've never once had a government or an entire nation that actually fears the Lord because fearing the Lord is a personal thing. Even when God called the children of Israel out of Egypt, how they do, you see, They knew who God was, but they did not live wisely. We just saw an entire generation perish in the wilderness before they could go into the promised land, except for two guys, Caleb and Joshua. Even Moses, their great leader, the man of faith, was unable to enter the promised land, fearing the Lord. It's the controlling principle. It's the most important thing. Now, what does it mean? The fear of the Lord, it has two sides to it. And if you were to read any um, lexicon of the Hebrew language, the word literally has two sides to it. One, it's the idea of being scared, and the other is the idea of standing in awe, right? So there's literally, like in the word fear in the New Testament is the word phobos, which we get our word phobia from. Literally, it says that you should be scared of God. And know what, brothers and sisters, guess what? We should be scared of God. Why? Because it's a terrible thing to fall in the hands of the living God. We fear God because of God's authority to judge. My mom was, and my older sister is, a teacher, right? And my mom was, and my sister is, a very good teacher. But if you're a teacher, you know that you have something that is called observation. When an administrator or principal comes into your classroom and observes the way that you teach. Now, no matter how good of a teacher you are, when you're under observation, what do you have? Fear. Why? Because that person has the authority to remove you from your position if they don't feel that you're doing a good job. See, Authority brings with it fear. I always use the example. If you're driving and a cop pulls in behind you, no matter how good you're driving, you slow down, 10 and 2, you're looking in the rearview mirror a lot, right? All of us do it, except for those of you who are in law enforcement, because you've got those little cards that get you out of everything. (laughs) For the rest of us, It's 10 and 2, like you're going three miles below the speed limit, right? And that's how it happens. Why? Because you know that that police officer, he can pull you over, he can write you a citation, you can, you're, it's just a mess, right? And I, and I'm not a law enforcement officer, but if I was, I would probably enjoy that authority a little bit. I mean, in some ways, it's got to be a lame thing, because you just want to get to Starbucks to get an Americano or whatever, but everyone goes so slow in front of you. It's like beeping the horn, like, get out of the way. I need to get some caffeine or something. Don't you ever think about that, those poor police officers? 
Everybody slows down. How do you like it when people are driving slow in front of you? Yeah, I didn't think so. See, you fear the authority. And Jesus said, don't fear those who can just kill your body, but fear those who can kill your body and cast the soul into hellfire. He's saying, look, fear God. It's the beginning of wisdom. Listen, no matter what your boss thinks, no matter what your spouse thinks, no matter what your peer group thinks, no matter what your friends who are really frenemies think, no matter what the American government law thinks or whatever government thinks, ultimately that judgment is temporary and everybody stands before the judge of all the earth to give an account for their lives. And too many of us live our lives just hoping to make it around the friends, the spouse, the frenemies, the social media world and not get caught doing anything illegal so you end up in the pokey rather than saying, I live my life before God, and I fear his authority over my life. Brothers, sisters, do you fear God? Do you realize you're going to give an account for this life, the stewardship of this life? I don't want to freak you out, but we can't truly understand our relationship with God without seeing him as the final authority on all things. So we fear God in his authority, but then on the other side, and this is relationally driven, we should fear breaking God's heart as a child. I tell my kids that all the time, like, don't you ever make your mama cry. Don't you make your mama cry. Because true love fears breaking someone's heart. Do you fear breaking God's heart? Do you see the things that we do that dishonor God as something that breaks the heart of God? Something that was so serious that God sent his own son, Jesus, to take the punishment for when he hung on that cross and shed his perfect blood for the remission of our sins? See, our culture and every culture is not wise because it doesn't fear the Lord. It doesn't say God is the ultimate authority on what my life is and isn't and when I do things that are dishonoring to God, it breaks his heart. It breaks his heart. We should fear the Lord. It is the controlling principle of knowledge. And notice what he says, because it says, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So there's the knowledgeable who fears God, and then there's the fool who will despise the fear of God. That's why it says in the Bible that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. It's not foolish because, well, you're dumb. It's no, because you're not willing to accept reality as it really is, you are only left to foolishness. See, it's not like when it says the fool said, it's like, oh, they're just giving the unbeliever a hard time. It's like, no, by making a decision that God is not real, you exclude yourself from any opportunity of having true eternal, universal wisdom. Not because God says it, because that's just the reality of it. So we need to fear the Lord. And this is going to come back over and over again. It reminds me of Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 to 14. And now Israel, what does the Lord require of you but to fear the Lord your God and to walk in his ways and to love him and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you today for your good. Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God, also the earth with all that is in it. I believe it's one thing to believe in the Lord and it's another thing to fear him. 
See, it's like the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Believing in the Lord, that's the right piece of information. Wisdom is fearing God and saying, I'm going to order my entire life because I know that I give an account for him and he tells me what's right and wrong and I'm going to have a relationship with him and I fear breaking his heart. That, my friends, that wisdom living is really where the action is at. Do you fear God today? Do you let the fear of the Lord hem your life in? See, because if we fear the Lord, we'd, we wouldn't gossip and we wouldn't be bitter and we wouldn't harbor unforgiveness and we would not call evil good and good evil and we will not allow ourselves to justify all the things we allow ourselves to justify. And we would say, I just want to grow and learn and God, I've fallen, but you've redeemed me and grace is not just a cover-up, but it's a transformational experience. We need to fear the Lord. Listen to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Notice this. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. See, if you fear the Lord, we're going to depart from evil. And it says, it will make you healthy, my friends. That Flourishing comes from fearing God and departing from things that dishonor God. Now, at this point, you see that there's two paths to take. And we're going to see these two paths are going to run all the time in the book of Proverbs. There's the path of wisdom and there's the path of foolishness. There's wisdom and foolishness. Wisdom and foolishness. Right, And as we see what we're going to see today and going forward, it's going to be important for you to be able to say, am I being wise or am I being foolish? Right? Now, first we get a little sneak peek after the fear of the Lord into what makes somebody wise. And notice what it says in verse 8. My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. Brothers and sisters, we need to learn from our elders. You need to learn from your elders. Okay? Notice, this book was written as instruction manual for older people to the younger generation. And we see here, my son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. And if you do, it will be a graceful ornament on your head and all these things. Now listen. In 21st century, well, in American culture, for a long time now, youth is king, right? If you're, everybody pumps the youth, and if you're getting older, they do, they just sell you all this stuff because you have the money to try and make you think that you're feeling younger, but you're really just the age that you are, right? So youth is king. And in our culture, in Western culture, unlike other cultures, we don't have a preference for the wisdom of the older generation, whereas in a lot of other cultures, there's a preferential wisdom where, where there's a submission to your elders. Our hearts break for those being turned away and rejected all over the world because of where they've come from. Like many of you, I have to face my fears about terrorism and balance them with the command Jesus gave me to love. Love no matter what. You might be asking yourself, what can I do? 
How can I help? Well, I urge you first to reach out to us here at Crossroads Community Church. We've been ministering to refugees for many years and we could use your help. Second, and it's gonna sound pretty simple, you need to pray. Pray for those who are suffering all over the world. Pray for our refugees trying to escape terror in their own countries and pray for President Donald Trump and the rest of the leadership of our country. And we wanna help you to remember to pray for all of these things. I wear a leather bracelet that says real on it. Whenever I look at this bracelet, it reminds me that Jesus is real in my life and I'm utterly and completely blessed. I also remember to pray for those who are fleeing tyranny. I'm gonna turn this over to Josh so that you can learn more about supporting refugees and help us here at Jesus Is Real Radio. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Truly, the plight of the refugees is urgent. Throughout the month of March, we want to make available to you the same leather bracelet that Pastor Daniel just mentioned. It simply says real on it. When you wear this bracelet, you'll be reminded of God's love in your life and those that are less fortunate. For anyone who supports Jesus is Real Radio with a gift of $20 or more, we will send you the real bracelet as a thank you. Plus, we will use a portion of these funds in the current effort here at Crossroads Community Church to minister to refugees. To receive your own real bracelet, check out JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the Partner option in the main menu. Well, thanks for joining us today. Please remember to pray for the poor, oppressed, and less fortunate. Until next time, may God bless.